Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny? You just won't let me sabotage an opening. You just you just stay quiet until you just finally get me to shut up. And then Would you, you like to do the opening, Danny? Go ahead. I cede it to you. <laughs> no, no, you, you I'll, do I'll fine. Be- I, I just like sabotaging them. That's all. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet, and you can do the opening. <laughs> Go for it. No, you did a fantastic job. Oh, now- so you don't want to do the opening. No, no, I, 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 I said I just, I just do like the opening. Who does I, the opening I, on Outsiders every night? Uh, Joe takes it from me. We used to do when we did the radio show, we did cold opens for every single show, which mm-hmm. that's sometimes they were good. Sometimes they were bad. They were really <laughs> bad. But one time we did find a guy who was playing the bagpipes outside and we literally had him come in and play the bagpipes. Oh, my God. We... You brought the bagpipes indoors. Oh, yeah. In what that you, little tiny thinking. Oh, God. It was it rattled our bells, but it was absolutely hilarious because he just we just kept the show going like it was nothing with him just wailing on that just squeezing cat sound and amazing you guys got renewed for a second season <laughs> that was our first season too. yeah and they were like let's bring these guys back everybody thought it was hilarious uh, because we only let them play it for like 20 seconds i think that's like the the edge the line that you can get to right, with that's as long as you can take before pipes inside them, you know especially like, in a room like designed for acoustics Ow, yeah man. yeah like it, that room's like maybe 20 by 10 like yeah. it's and Got like eight people in there, so mm-hmm. good well, times. Speaking of sometimes being good and sometimes being bad, <laughs> nice let's transition. Talk, <laughs> let's talk about the Blazers. The Blazers. If if you can think back about six days, they won two games quite handily: one against Orlando, one against Washington, and then. Uh, Friday and Saturday happened where they lost back-to-back games against Handled. Sacramento. And in true Blazer fashion, it was a real roller coaster. Where do you want to start with the wins or the losses? Uh, screw the wins. We don't even need to talk about the wins. They, they were against teams that just – they're milling it in anyways, especially Washington. Well, like, if I they just, hadn't been wins, they would have been newsworthy. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But even then, they were just – you better damn well win these, especially with all of the uh, – no, we're making a push for the playoffs. And that's that's the thing where I want to start here is this whole idea of like pushing for the playoffs. Stop giving me platitudes about making the playoffs and then giving that crap effort that they gave in back-to-back games. That's – you want to blow a game in January um, on New Year's or uh, after New Year's Eve in New York City, fine. I'm not thrilled about it, but it happens. You know, you get an extra day off in Los Angeles or Miami and you have a a bad effort. You're you're a bunch of 20-year-old millionaires. I get it. But you can't go out there and lay eggs like that and then expect me to sit here and listen to we're making a push for the playoffs. Like that was so, so disingenuous. I – it, it's hard for me to that, fa- when you say that was so disingenuous. What exactly are you? The effort about? is that the effort. Like it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Those are the Which two game, both games, both, both of them. Those are the two worst effort games I've seen from this team this year. And that's saying a lot because they've had probably about a half dozen that were pretty questionable, particularly at the end. Of, you know what? When the the injuries really started to pile up in December, you had guys that were just like they were. I don't want to say mailing it in, mailing it in, but it was pretty close. Those two games uh, against Phoenix and uh, last night against Sacramento were were bad. I mean, just they were very difficult to watch. But yeah, you, you know how I feel about trying to say whether or not somebody is putting in effort because I just personally, I, you can say all you want. But personally, I don't feel like I, because I am not in their heads, can say whether or not they are giving effort or not. I What I can say is, I mean, I've, I've seen sloppy play. I've seen plays where people didn't communicate. I've seen, who was it who tossed the ball to Mario Hazonia while he wasn't paying attention and it bounced out of bounds off his head? Know. You know, I'm not going to say who or who was not showing effort, but I definitely saw bad 
basketball <laughs> for a lot of for for it. But then again, you still you still have guys having their moments. You got Wenyan out there. You got Gary Trent Jr. out there who will not go down without a fight. Even Trevor Ariza will pick it up and go like, no, I am going to take this ball and I'm going to put it in that basket and I'm going to slam it through them. So I get what you're saying. It's been really super hard to watch. And I was in the Phoenix game. So that was, I mean, I was at in Phoenix for the Phoenix. No, you you were in, in the game. game. I was not in the game. I might as well have been in the game, right? <laughs> Sue me up, coach. I'll go. <laughs> no, but I was, I was, uh, I was in Phoenix for that game and it was, uh, um, not super fun to watch, <laughs> but it was well, fun to mean, be in you, Phoenix. You, you, your tickets for the Aaron Baines show? Let, let, let's let's start with that because I know a lot of people had had questions on that. We'll we'll touch on these two games real quick, and then we've got a bunch of questions. So, yeah. um, the Phoenix game, uh, it was bad. It was unequivocally bad. Um, defensive communication didn't exist. Uh, where it wasn't a like uh, I saw was talking about locking off the paint in the post game. I, I don't care about locking off the paint when a team's got forty points in the paint and the guy's dropping nine threes on your head. That's that's got to be something that he figures out. Whoever's at that position figures out. Um, and it, either either Hassan messed up a lot, or the rest of the team messed up a lot. And I'm inclined to believe that's most likely it was Hassan. Well, so I mean, I wanna... those those are your two options when when the Suns go to five out. Yeah. You, you can't keep somebody in the paint, and if he's gonna get in the short corner to contest Baines, he's actually got to get out and contest. I went back through watched. You know, Baines' nine made threes. He's only contested on one of them, and one of them's Damian Lillard. And oh, Dame's not gonna Dame's not gonna contest a guy at seven foot tall. And Baines did hit a ridiculous shot. It was it was that step back three. Oh, the step on, back and yeah. yeah. It was a fantastic shot. But I mean, Dame's six one, Baines is seven foot tall. Like this that's not the kind of contest you need. And mm-hmm. at some point in time, they've got to figure something out. And I'm inclined to believe that, you know, there was that back and forth between Ariza and Whiteside. I I'm inclined to believe that Ariza was telling Whiteside he needs to figure it out. I want to talk about that back and forth because it was right in front of me. I was sitting there. I was directly above where that was happening. And I I actually thought that Ariza was like yelling at the ref. And I was like, oh, my God, he's got to stop. He's going to stop. He's going to he's going to get a tech. And it was my husband who pointed out like, no, I think he's talking to Hassan. And he went on long enough that he actually like stepped into the paint to keep talking to hold Mm -hmm. up a a free throw throw attempt. And I was like, I can't remember when in the Stoss era, if ever, we have been in a situation like that where where players were going at each other during a game uh, like that. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. That's a, that's a pretty common occurrence in professional sports when you're just competitive and you're telling a guy, I need you to get something right. And I need you to understand it now. Now the difference is, is Portland has not had a ton of those like vocal guys. Dame is a pull a guy to the side guy. LaMarcus was a let the coach handle it kind of guy. Legitimately, the last guy they had who probably talked a lot was uh, some combination of Steve Blake, Andre Miller, and Brandon Roy. Like, those are the only three guys who would kind of, like, light somebody up. What about Wesley Matthews? Didn't he do that sometimes? Wes did towards the the, the last part mm-hmm. of his last two years he was here. And, and the other guy I would go to is Robin Lopez. Mm-hmm. Robin was a guy who would bark at guys if you weren't where you needed to be. And Trevor's a, a, a bit old school in the sense of... I don't care about your feelings or what was perceived or not perceived here. I've got a message I need to get across to you, and this is how you're going to get it. And that's perfectly fine for me. I, I I know some people are like, oh, my God, he hates Hassan or, oh, my God, he's losing his mind. They're yelling at each other. I don't I don't care about that stuff. I, honestly, I wish they did that more often, to be honest. I, I, I don't – I would rather somebody be kind of miffed that they got their, their butt chewed in public than everybody just assuming everybody knows what's going on. You know what I mean? Acting like everything's fine. Yeah. Like I have zero, to be honest, like uh, no matter what sport it is, the teams that that can do that to each other and be okay. Those are usually the teams that not only are the, uh, are the best communicators, but those are the teams that get the most done because they understand it's nothing personal. It's about getting the job done. (laughs) I'm, I'm recalling, uh, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, I think it was two years ago. 
you know, Steph and KD going at each other. <laughs> or was it Draymond? No, it was Draymond and KD Draymond going and KD. after. You know, so it's just our version of Draymond and KD well, Dr- going after well, each other. Yes and no. Draymond actually didn't like KD. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was, that was part of the reason KD definitely wanted out of there. Um, but there, there are, there are certainly levels to this. Uh, I, I don't think anybody looks at Trevor reason is like he wants us on Whiteside gone or, you know, they hate each other and they can't play together. I, I okay. don't think that's the case. So you're not as concerned about it. interesting. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out why the, these last few weeks have felt so bad. And I think part of it is because we have just come to expect that it was given that after the all-star break, the blazers were going to just like, you know, go on a tear. And I went back and looked to see what things had been like after the all-star break for the last several seasons. So currently the Blazers since the all-star break are three and six, which puts them at 33% winning. So in 2019, they were 19 and six in 2018, they were 17 and seven in 2017, they were 18 and eight. And it just goes on and on. And the worst winning percentage they had was 2015, they were uh, 50% basically uh, after the All-Star break until you go back to 2013. And that's when they were 8 and 21. They were 27% after the All-Star break. And that's when they finished 33 and 49. But it's been since 2013 that we've had a year like that, that we've had a post-All-Star break like this. And that's kind of why I always – like. When I talk about whether or not they can make this, I always caveat it. I'm not a big fan of caveating things, but you have Damian Lillard, and mm-hmm. it's every year but one in his existence here has been a, well, here we go again. Like, yeah. I mean, you have five straight years of just rattling off wins, yeah. nuking the entire world of the NBA on a regular basis. It's hard to not go. Listen, I don't think they're going to do all that well, but I've certainly been wrong five out of the last five years when that same situation (laughs) popped up. So I'm going to go ahead and go, yeah, there's a minuscule chance just because they have Damian Lillard. Yeah. Well, and I think we'll we'll probably talk about this in questions, so I won't won't bring it up. We do have a a lot of questions, but I don't know if we have one about the CJ versus Alex Len that has come in yet. Do you have any words that you want to say about that? I, I will just say that I, I, CJ definitely takes boxing lessons yeah. when, when he got pushed and like when push came to shove and he went like, he was ready. Right, that left hand went up right alongside the jaw, that right leg staggered back, got his back straight. He was in a puncher's stance. I was like, Oh, he's taking some boxing classes. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> um, I still think it you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily want, want that piece. Um, that's a long reach. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was one of the things that made it so just intriguing to watch oh, was just the yeah. huge size difference. And my husband and I were watching, we were in the airport waiting to come home from Phoenix and we were watching it on my phone, like all huddled in the corner of a bar and we didn't have the audio. So we were just watching it. And so like when it happened, my, my husband like shouts, oh my God, he was going to punch him. And like everybody in the bar, like shut up and like looked over at him was like, what's going on? And he's like, no, 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 it's on the, it was so funny because everyone was like, what's happening? Um, but we couldn't hear. And it looked like CJ was talking the whole time. Did, did you happen I, to pick up yeah, any of what he was saying? I couldn't get it. Like all of the angles, like he was blocked out just a little bit. I, I pride myself in being the the master lip reader. The lip <laughs> reader of the outsiders. Yes, I, I could not pick up what he was saying, and I was bummed because he, he's he got some heaters. Uh, you know, the whole uh, thing with Fournier. Yeah. You salt like the crepes that you eat. Like, that's that's pretty yeah. good. I'm, not gonna lie. I'm sure whatever it was, it was gold, and I was yeah. just so bummed I couldn't hear it. Yeah, that's the thing is you wanted to get that. But the bummer news for CJ, but the good news is for some charities, he got hit with a 20 grand <laughs> fine today. So uh, he got hit with 20, and Len got hit with 15, which is probably about on par because I thought CJ, while he did – Deserved to defend himself from the initial one. I thought he went back one too many times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's a bummer yeah. that it's 20 G's, but hopefully that Boys and Girls Club is uh, enjoying the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he didn't, I'm glad he didn't get suspended because that would have been a yeah. It, it, if anybody was going to, I will say this, it was going to be Len. He, he threw a real loose left jab that right. was like, Ooh. yeah, no, I didn't, I think that looked more like reaching rather than punching that's yeah. what my husband thought the punching was but i thought it looked more like reaching it was a 
depending on the ref, I think that would have gone. It, it could have gone another way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's move on to our questions because we got a ton of them. So thank you for everybody who chimed in. It's uh, I was afraid to ask, to be honest, because I was like, oh, this is this going to be OK. I know. Well, you know what? After both of those games, Twitter was pretty dark, but it looks like uh, the questions that we all got were, you know, they were pretty balanced and measured. And I think, you know, by and large, in the clear light of the light of the clear blue morning the next day after these losses, we kind of all I think a lot of us remember like where the Blazers actually are right now. Or maybe not. Let's go. (laughs) So Rose Harding. I, for one, would like to know which of mom's favorite sons make the family pick since Scal's departure. It's been fuzzy. I don't know where Rose has been, and I don't know if she has not noticed that I tweet like a million times about Gary Trent Jr. every single game. We all know who it is. Uh, yes, Gary Trent Jr. Um, but I would just want to point out before we hopped on, I was on Instagram, and I noticed that it looks like our young friend Scal just got engaged. So isn't that nice? It is good. I just I just love love. It's funny uh, with Sacramento in town. I had the Sacramento beat reporters in the media room and the, it was kind of funny. We all kind of gravitated toward t- talking about Scal. Of course. And, and how wonderful a human being he is. And it was just it was just kind of a cool reminder. And everybody in there, no matter who they, when they had covered him in his career, were all the same things. Like, I hope he's healthy and I hope he gets in a good shot with Atlanta. So, I mean, it just kind of tells you what, how, how Scal is, is that as that dude. Yeah, yeah. Next time, I don't. I guess the Blazers aren't playing Atlanta anymore, are they? Nope. They're done. Bummer, because yep. I was hoping that you could run super scalafragilistic expialidocious past the um, beat reporters over there, because somebody oh, I, really needs to make that happen. I know some folks in Atlanta. I, I can see if I can float the idea. Okay, let's see if we can get that going. Next question from BlazerFan72 at Hecubus01. Is it time to load manage the vets, i.e. selectively tank? I mean, they're already doing that, but... Mellow's gassed. Yeah. Like you can just, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer because outside of the last couple games, he was actually playing. I thought his most consistent and uh, useful, like all around, like perfect basketball for him mm-hmm. in that he was just taking like nine to 13, 12 shots a night, really efficient clip rebounding, take advantage of mismatches was shooting incredibly well from the floor and just like knowing his role. And we were talking about, you know, last week, the whole idea of competency. Mm-hmm. And he was just on point. Oh, boy, there we go. And <laughs> the whole idea of him, like, picking that up and realizing it and, and embracing it, I just didn't think he was capable of doing. And him doing that, it's been like, okay. That's that's a pretty cool storyline. It's not a big storyline, but it is a pretty cool one, in my opinion. Do you have any idea why he only took five shots in, against Sacramento? Do you think it is? I think he's gassed he's, on he's a back. He's getting tired. Yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, he didn't. He, he's thirty-four, and yeah. He, and while that he did have that year off, he also doesn't have that year of like knowing and feeling that conditioning again, right? What your body's used to playing eighty-two, and you take a whole year off. That does, and while you may may give a bit of a kick, you know, to to start the season, it's still, you know, muscle memory. It's it's lung memory at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's getting gassed. Uh, Dame still talked about last night about being kind of like in that not 100%. Like his groin feels fine, but doesn't quite have his conditioning. Doesn't quite feel like himself. CJ's run more miles than anybody else. Like it's... Mm-hmm. They're playing like crap, too. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was wondering if maybe Dame isn't isn't feeling great because, you know, when he has I don't think he is when he has when he's that off in shooting because it's so unusual when he's just not hitting couldn't when he, you know, couldn't hit a three for just about anything. Mm -hmm. That just makes me think maybe he wasn't wasn't feeling great. So I guess we'll see about that. Okay, next question from Matthew mm-hmm. at Reverend Romulus. Do Moses or Jalen have a chance to make the regular roster next year? Jalen especially seems to have skills that would be valuable for the Blazers. Does Wenyon have a better shot at that spot? Oh, Wenyon is way above those guys as far as, like, trust because... and uh, ability right now. Because he's already shown 
his like the, he's not too big for the moment. His first time on the floor as a trailblazer, he went and pinned Joe Vail McGee McDunk after the death of Kobe Bryant in the Lakers' first mm-hmm. game back. That that young man is not afraid of the moment. Moses still needs time in that regard. And I know some people are going to be like, "Oh my God, he looked terrible." From everybody I've talked to, the Moses in practice has been dominant on the defensive end. And I think it's just about for him, it's about translating to the NBA floor. And that's that's a problem for a lot of young guys. Um, he's still incredibly raw. Um, offensively, he needs a ton of work. So I, I think he ends up being brought back as a two-way guy again. Um, Jalen, I know this is an organization that definitely has some interest in. And I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at him for the end of the rotation, like your 14th, 15th guy as your like real project. Um, because he did get on the floor and show some things in, in limited opportunities. He still needs some work and he's still raw. But what is Portland short on? They're short on guys who are hyper athletic, long rangey and, and you know, multi-positional defensively. So um, I, I would definitely put Wenyan clearly above the other two, but then it's, then it's Jalen, and then a little while longer, it's going to be Moses. But I think both those guys, Horry and Brown, will factor into the Blazers' long-term plans as far as uh, building up young guys. Do you think Wenyan is going to keep exercising that three-point shot? Yeah, so he, um, watching him pregame, the last couple games, it's been like one thing I've sat there and done. He he can shoot the living hell out of the ball. Like okay. It, it's, it, he will, it will come, like he has got a nice stroke. It will come together for him. They that is something I am confident. Wendon has the ability to be a guy at sixth round in the league because of his athleticism, because of his length, because of his his tenacity and his hustle. But I also think he's got real natural ability as a shooter and as a uh, help side defender. So I I could I'm not saying he's going to be a star in this league, but I definitely see him being a viable role player uh, in the next couple of years. Do you think from the way he plays, do you think that hanging around Trevor Ariza and maybe picking up some stuff from him makes sense for his type of game? Very much. He's a bigger and he's got a he's got a better palette to work with as far as tool sets go than Trevor. Mm-hmm. He's longer, stronger, quicker, bouncier, like his athletic profile. And Ariza was a, a Wasn't he like that pretty bouncy when he was, when he was young? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Wenyon is bigger, stronger, long. like he's a big kid. Mm-hmm. He is and like as much energy as Ariza had when he was younger, Wenyan is a is a wind up toy. Mm-hmm. You wind him up, and he is just go 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 until you sit him down. Mm-hmm. He is. There are very few guys in the league that I've seen that play with that kind of reckless abandon for every minute they're on the floor. Well, and it's kind of funny because the Blazers have a few few of those young guys, and that kind of goes back to the last question because between Little and Wenyan and Biggie, those guys are all the kind of guys who go out there and they're just wound up like a little too tight, and so the first thing, things, few things that they do are kind of like some of those sloppy, like, you know, unplanned plays, and then they kind of settle into it. But, like, I love it when those guys go out on the floor. And sometimes when the game seems to be out of hand and you're already down 20 in the third, like, I would like to just go ahead and see those young guys get out there more. It certainly wouldn't wouldn't be a, a bad thing, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Okay. Ooh, here's our, here's our first question about Nurk. Okay. This is from Ryan, time fleeting 34. Does Olshay finally take a swing this offseason and try to put together a sign and trade package that includes first round picks and Simons or CJ? Also, this is the last stand. If we lose both games this week, including a must win versus the Grizz on Thursday, does Nurk still return on Sunday? So let's start start with the second half of that first. Yeah, Nurk's coming back on Sunday, barring a setback. Nurk was supposed to be back a month ago, guys, just so everybody knows. And it was his, his calf strain kept him off the floor. That's, so it has nothing to do with the Blazers' record. Is that what you're no, saying? Yes, he was. He was supposed to be back already. It's. It's about. It's. It's a hundred percent a Nurk thing right now. Just his. They want to make sure his health is where it needs to be. Um, How surprised were you when that news broke? Not. Not at all. I was a little bit surprised on what game they chose, but it. I, I actually thought it was going to happen this week, not next week. So. Um, I actually got a, a cool moment. Anybody else who saw my, my post yesterday on Twitter, um, watching him come out on the floor on at Moda for the first time since his injury, I got to see him live in person. We're getting ready for Stasis press conference, you know, which is right off the floor. For those of you that don't know, like if you go right through the tunnel uh, by the Blazers bench, 
that's where they actually do the press conference and that's where the locker room's at. And as we're getting ready, Nurk walks by and I just saw him and I was like, you're not in a suit. That's the only thing I had popped <laughs> in my head. And I, I just kind of smile and he walks out on the floor and we get done with Stance's press conference. I walk out there and there's Nurk jumping up and down and taking little baby hook shots and then taking dribble pull-ups from the free throw line and then working on his post footwork and then working on post fades and then working on above the break threes where he's just raining them in over and over and over. And I was like, God, I forgot how much fun you were to watch. <laughs> I think we have more questions about him later. Yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll get back on it. But I just, I just wanted to share that one because it was it was really cool because I I love the guy. I love his game. I, I love watching him. And it was very cool to feel the way I did in that moment. But also equally, it sucked as much knowing that later that night that team played with the effort they did that night. So it was, I think that's partly, partly part of my frustration with those the way those games turned out. So um, the front end of that, though, sign-in trades don't really happen all that much anymore. Like they're, they're only really necessitated uh, or required to make a player happy when they're already going to get traded to a particular spot or something, or uh, they can get more money um, by being signed by a team and getting an extra year. If anything, I would say that and, and the value of CJ McCollum right now is not going to be any higher. I don't think ever in his career, like as far as like from going forward. Um, and if they're going to do it, this is a now or never summer. So uh, if Olshay is going to make a move, it's this summer with CJ. And we get to see what he can do running his own team. Um, and I think they'll, they'll they'll at least listen to offers more than they ever have regarding CJ. Mm-hmm. I wish you hadn't said that they don't sign and trade packages don't happen very much anymore because I feel like in the back of my head, this last summer was more than they'd had in a really long time, which still wasn't like a ton. No, it's only a handful. They don't they don't happen like they used to, though, because they used to happen quite regularly. Okay. Like, and it's just it's just not something that happens a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, Portland doesn't have anybody they can really sign and trade outside of Hassan. And I don't think that would be the case. I think if a team wanted to make a bid, they wouldn't necessarily um, go full bird rights and use the Blazers to do that in that situation. So Yeah, and I guess that that would be like a sign and trade for a free agent, right? Well, no, because they, they – I mean, they, that's – they would have to to trade for a player coming back. Like if they would have to sign and trade Hassan, like using his bird rights to get up to a certain number or whatever, um, and then sending him to another team that works as a basically like a in season trade. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, because I mean, because Simons and CJ, both Simons and CJ are already signed. Yes. So they would be looking to bring in some. I don't know. I'm I'm not in the summer, sign and trade. I'm not in summer CBA form oh, right now, so I, I don't want to go down that road. You're you're talking about a, a potential free agent signing with AT. I don't think a team is. I don't think that's going to happen on that side of things. I think it would be the other way around where Hassan was signed and traded, um, as opposed to a free agent being coming in as a sign and trade with. Okay. You know, You're for, talking about it in terms of the Blazers signing one of their free agents and then trading. Yes. Okay. That's, as opposed to bringing another free agent. Like, and not okay. only that, when you look at the actual free agents, there's not a ton out there. I think that really yeah. makes the most sense for Portland. You know, I mean, there's Anthony Davis, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> he makes a ton of sense. But uh, <laughs> okay, moving on. Sir yeah. Wheezy at Wheezy Sir says, "Oh, this is a good question. Why are people around Rip City sad?" I get the team lost their last two games and pretty much eliminated themselves out of the playoffs. But didn't everyone hear Nurk is coming back in a week? Yeah, he's 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 coming back and he's giving me the one kind of thing to really look forward to right now. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, it's a typical roller coaster. Here's what I was thinking about Nurk's return. I was thinking about the last time. Nurk suddenly appeared having not existed for on the team, right? So when Mason Plumley was traded for Nurkic. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that time I was so confused because the whole narrative was the Blazers need a rim protecting big. The Blazers need a rim protecting big. Then I would go and I would look at 
the statistics, and the statistics showed that the Blazers actually were allowing, you know, they were actually protecting the rim pretty well. They were like one mm-hmm. of the best in terms of protecting the rim. At the same time, they were horrible at defending the three-point line. Well, what are the Blazers familiar. are right now, right? Yeah. They're pretty, you know, they're holding player, holding teams down at the rim, and they are just like leaking um, three-pointers all along the rim. So I was kind of trying to you, you touched a little bit on it before about you know going going five out but like what I used to th- what I figured out when Plumley got traded is because is that a lot of times they had to have extra help in the paint which left them shorthanded mm-hmm. on the perimeter. So I'm hoping that once Nurkic comes back that may eliminate some of the, just like the just the kind of play that hurts your eyes with just the threes just going in and like like that relentlessly. Yes. Yeah. So it might even might look a little bit better at least. <laughs> well, I mean, I hate to beat this drum because God has been beat all season. The injuries certainly hurt, but this is this goes to the whole idea of why I've wanted to break Damon CJ up. You need to have such a precise team to build around those guys defensively that if you do have an injury here or there, it falls apart very quickly because they're both not good defenders and it's problematic. And I, I've dumped on Hassan plenty. Uh, this season, and rightfully so, um, the guys on the perimeter aren't doing him any favors. So, I mean, if you look at this team right now, they have two plus defenders, Trevor Ariza and Gary Trent Jr. That's that's it. Mello is a massive negative. Hassan is a shot blocker, not a defender. Damon CJ, not defenders. It has been a turnstile on the perimeter all year. So... I want to see Yusuf Nurkic come back, and he's kind of familiar of having to deal with the turnstiles on the outside. But this is where you miss six foot eight Mo Harkless, six foot nine Alfred Camino. As many faults as they had, they are both significantly better defenders when engaged than Ariza and Mello in that starting lineup, and they covered up a lot of sins. Uh, I don't think Yusuf Nurkic is going to cover up all those sins but it's certainly going to help on a team that goes four out or five out. He's his basketball IQ is significantly higher than white sides. That's just the bottom line. That's not to, to, to pile on us on here, but Nurk is, that's what makes him good is he sees the floor. I mean, you can see that with his passing. He has an innate ability to see the floor and know where to go, where to be and, and how to be there and when to be there. Now, does he take a playoff or two every now and then on the perimeter, especially? Yes. And should we expect that when he comes back? Absolutely. But you should see a lot of the communication. You should see a lot more trust and I think a lot more uh, continuity on the defensive side of the ball than I think you have seen. And that's not like me putting a ton of expectations on Nurk. I just expect that to happen just by his general knowledge of how to play defense, particularly behind Damon C.J. And I guess one thing that we can look at and when you were talking about the role players this year not being as good as like Harkless and Aminu, they are at least seasoned veterans. So they have a little, you know, they have a little bit going for them. I mm-hmm. think when, when they have Nurkic back in there, I think they will be able to figure out what it is they're supposed to do. There's just kind of like a bigger hole right now than they're able to cover up. And I, I mean, Ariza, I, he's a good defender. He is. He, he, like I said, he's a plus defender, but he's also 35 years old. Yeah. Like the young guys are going to give it to him to, from time to time. And it's that's I'm not going to be mad at a 35 year old. 35 year old dude being taken off the bounce by Trey young. Like it's just, it's not something you can do. And that's again, that's, that's the problem with how things are right now for the Blazers. Like would having Zach Collins back healthy, help them. Yeah, it would, but you're still not fixing the perimeter problems. Like mm-hmm. that's still not, that's still go. There's still their Achilles heel and Rodney held this team back entirely healthy. It still has issues in the perimeter defensively. It's, it's just, it's just a reality. It's a lot of guys on this team that aren't geared towards the defensive side of the ball. And even going into the season, we knew that. I yes. Mean, those, we those knew were that they, yeah, we knew it was going to be all offense. And I will tell you this. I've, I've, I've talked to uh, a couple of coaches about Gary, and they are thrilled with it. You want to know why Gary's getting on the floor? It's not just the offense. It's the defense. Yeah. I mean, 
you want to have like a visual, an easy visual of defense because it's hard for me to see like defense. I'm much more offense oriented, and I think a lot of people are. But when Gary plays defense, Gary's a dog. Super clear that he is playing defense, and there's nothing I like more than him just grabbing onto the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like we haven't had somebody who's done that in a while. Him just ripping that ball away from Devin Booker was like, Oh yeah, no, this is, this is good. <laughs> I, I, I am about this. And uh, you, you know me, I love Ant. I will champion Ant. I've heard that, you know, they need him to play better defensively. Yeah. He, we got a question need, coming up about Ant and Gary. Yeah, he needs to be better on that end of the floor. Yeah. Okay, next one from Benjamin Yeager uh, at Tired Hunter. Is it liberating to no longer care about the outcome of games? I wanted to say I didn't care since December, but I talked myself into caring in a sense because, you know, talking about what would have like 60 games left at that point in time mm-hmm. of just awful basketball would have just been miserable. Mm-hmm. It would have just been miserable. So I talked myself into carrying again and Dame had that month where he, you know, averaged 40 a game. And after that, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into squinting at a record and making it. But yeah, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, yeah, if you win a game, we'll talk about how you won the game, but I'm not going in and you, with, you, with you guys expecting to win anything. I'm telling you, if you had a rubric that you could look at every single game to decide whether or not it was a good game or a bad game, your life would be so easy. Win or loss, do I have to work the next morning and do I have to ride my bike home in the rain? I've had some two-point games on some pretty dark nights is all I'm saying. Uh, Listen, (laughs) I I was glad CJ and Len got into it because I was like, hey, you gave me something to talk about tonight other than this game. So thanks for that. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of thing we, we ran more mascot footage last night than any point in history. So, um, yeah. Windsor, Windsor nice, but yeah. So much easier to talk about so much yeah. more fun to talk about. Like even ugly wins, you can find some joy in them. These losses, you just look at them. You're just like, mm. uh-huh. did we have anybody on the jumbotron? Cause I'm sick and tired of rehashing the same points. <laughs> Wash your hands at Leighton T. Porter says, can you do the show on UFC 248? It was awesome. I will let you uh, address that one because I did not see it. I had to go to look it up what they were talking about. And now I know what they're talking about. It was it was it was a dumb fight. Let's be honest. Why do you say that? It's it's two counter punchers going at it and you're just waiting for somebody to. Just fall over. Yeah, you're just waiting for the first guy to finally give in, and and it, it was a boring fight. It is Maybe what that's it is. what inspired CJ. But we do have uh, Alistair Overeem coming to Portland for the next uh, UFC event here. It's actually in Portland that's coming up, so that's cool. Well, that's exciting. Well, Yay. the second part of Leighton T. Porter's question is actually interested in how the season will be affected if crowds are not allowed. So that's been kind of the, like the, the kind of topic, topic. Jour, uh in the media room, right? is, you know, what would this be like? And you've got LeBron out here acting like an idiot with the whole, <laughs> I won't play in front of, fa- within those fans are there. Shut up, LeBron. Goodness <laughs> great. Jesus, it, it, Dan. It was, it was so corny. If you can't see through, like, even the PR people, like, listen, this is even this is a little thick even I for I want you. a clip of that to send to <laughs> LeBron. Good it Lord. was so bad. So corny. And everyone Look, on can't every Can't just roll your eyes and move on? Well, it's, he should know better. It's, it's just so it, – I'll use the same example here that I used last night. Cristiano Ronaldo is 10 times the popularity of athlete of LeBron James. He plays in Serie A in Italy. You know what he just did today? He just played in front of an arena with no fans. Like just – fine is what you're saying? Yeah, like shut we'll, It's not like we're not going to be able to see the games. It's not like the games are going to be played in no. secrecy. And the NBA is ramping up pretty intensely – on like preparations and they're having a conference call, I believe tomorrow morning uh, about what's going to happen. That's tomorrow morning being Monday morning um, about what's going to happen and what preparedness things we had to have in, or needed to be in place. Um, my whole deal is, is if you're sick, stay the hell home. Like just, just be smart people. Like this isn't like it's a, it's a deadly virus in the sense that all viruses can be deadly, but also like just be smart. Like so we can, you know, not have to deal with this for, you know, years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on. Michael Evans, uh, M Evans, two, one, two. 
What are the most important things we've learned so far this season? Anything less obvious than Dame being super duper star and GT3 looking like he is going to have a long career? No, I don't think so. I, I think those are the things that you take from this season now. Like I don't, um, Ant still needs some work on both ends of the floor. Uh, I still believe fully and entirely in him. Um, you've got an idea of that Nas can maybe be a contributor, but like it's like hard it's like things like hard facts that you've learned. I, I'd say the you know what I would say that the, the one that maybe we did or didn't know is that um, CJ can run his own mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Like that would probably be the one I would go with, but that's not necessarily a necessarily a full Portland pro point as much as it's CJ's trade value, right? Right. Well, I, I don't I don't know why it wouldn't be a pro point if they could figure out how to, you know, have CJ play more like that regularly, even when Dame is in. You know, I mean, one of the things that I was looking at during the Phoenix game is I realized I it seemed to me like they were passing the ball around more. Like it almost seemed like they were like deliberately trying to pass the ball around more. So I like, I got all excited and I went to go look up and see like, are they really passing it around more? And I mean, over the last like four games, they are slightly averaging slightly more. They're still like at the bottom of the league in terms mm-hmm. of passes and assists, but it is slightly more. And it's especially, McCollum, Whiteside, and Ariza, who have started passing it a little bit more. And I was just kind of wondering if maybe, like, them trying to move the ball around a little bit, not passing just for the sake of passing, but trying to, like, deliberately move the ball around more than they've been. I was kind of wondering if maybe that was um, throwing them off of their offensive game. I don't know. That's such a working theory, but I don't I don't know where to go with that. <sighs> I mean, nobody's found any real rhythm team-wise all season because of the the lineup changes and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, was Dame absolutely dominant for a month, month and a half? Yeah. Was CJ good in Dame's absences? Yeah. But we have never had the run. They've they've never won more than four games in a row, Tara. Uh-huh. Like, so they've never had a run where the team was really humming. Mm-hmm. Like, can you think of even two games in a row where they were like, yeah, no, that was good. Um, Orlando and Washington, Dan, earlier this week, how soon you forget. I don't think they really looked that great in those games. That was the thing. I just like I watched Vucevic just absolutely cook that Portland team. And it was him missing shots that allowed Portland to get the win. That's, that's what I mean. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I've I've seen that. And like, I want to. Like, I don't I, like, I know you're like half joking in that in that regard, but like I want to see that at some point this season just to get like that reassurance. Right. Well, I mean, last season we saw the thing where, you know, like clockwork, Damien would be quiet for the first half, see who mm-hmm. else was going on. And then if somebody else wasn't going, then My turn. he would he would take it on. And quite often, not I, or fairly often, I would say CJ would be on a roll and so dame would just see see you know feed cj and i haven't seen that as that much of a give and take between the two of them this year uh maybe because he now has mellow as like oh okay if i give you a couple to cj and he's not hitting you know i'll move it around to mellow and sometimes it's mellow who catches catches well, on yeah. fire and that's the thing is like well here's the he does have that. a few more shooters and it's not just that it's when you give the ball to Mello, where's it where's it likely going? Well, it's, it's going up. Yeah. If you give the ball to Hassan, where's it likely going? I mean, it's going up. Like that. The if you if you look at their pass percentages when they get the ball on, you know, in the paint or on the block, unless that double comes, that shot's going up. And that's that's what that's who those guys are. And that's why I think it's been a little bit different for CJ because as ball dominant as he is, now there's two more guys who were you know. Um, non-passers, generically speaking, mm-hmm. and that takes away from Dame and CJ with the balls in their hand. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think you know if I wanted to go like full psychology, maybe part of the reason sometimes the ball sticks with Dame or CJ is that they inherently know that they may not get it back. So. They're, they're they're trying to to have a little bit of fun with it. I, I say that mostly joking, but yeah, I I. 
I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. We're like, I could give it up here early, but I could see if I can get a better look and I can go back to that spot a little bit later. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, when I talk about it jokingly, I kind of think it, think of it the opposite way. They were like, they're like, no, we're going to try to pass it ar- around a little bit more, and I have a pretty good shot, but I'm going to try to pass it on because we need to practice ball movement more. And then sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, and then sometimes they do it for a quarter, and then they move on. So, but we won't know until we can ask them. So maybe next time you have one of them, you could ask them if they're, if that is something that they are working on. I, I would love to to peg that one down. Because um, I I've just noticed a very slight trend up. Okay, Tommy, Thomas Soransky wants to know, top three candidates for a mid-level exception signing in the offseason that should contribute right away. So I was looking through the unrestricted free agents, and I was struggling to find one that made sense for Portland. And I wanted to f- see who was available as the on the wings, and then it hit me. Josh Jackson, who's been kind of a rehabilitation project for Memphis, fits the kind of role that Olshay has gone for in the past. Okay. You know, um, Underutilized. Uh, maybe didn't have proper guidance. Mm-hmm. A bit of a troublemaker. Um, but I don't know if that's your immediate impact guy. Because if you start looking at the guys who are available, they're either old like real old, <laughs> 36, 35, 37, that kind of deal, or they're going to get paid. Like mm-hmm. that's just the reality. I mean, you look up and down the list. Sure. You can drink, you can try to bring back Basemore or Turner if you wanted, or you look at Jordan Clarkson, who's going to get paid now with Utah. So that's out the window. Uh, Fred Van Vliet. You think he's not getting paid Tara? <laughs> no, he's going to be doing uh, just fine. Davis Bertans. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, Montrez Harrell. Like you just start looking at this and you're like, Ugh. so I think a guy that you target with even less than a taxpayer mid-level exception is a guy like Harry Giles, who we saw last night for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I think Giles is somebody that could be on the Blazers radar. I think Alec Burks could be on the radar. Um, and, but Josh Jackson is a guy I definitely look at and go, Huh. It's mostly because I want to be right about him when I when I had him coming out of college. <laughs> and are so you he's just, the one guy that I've gotten just dead wrong. Are you, um, and are you no. just looking straight up at small forwards? No, no, no. I'm I'm looking at at, at impact players, like just in general, and mm-hmm. like who's out there as an unrestricted free agent because yeah. Kings didn't pick up Giles's option, um, and with that he's going to be unrestricted now, which means the Kings can't match. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a few people last night, uh, obviously with Sacramento in town, and they they think that um, they're probably going to have trouble retaining Giles. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Look at. Um. All right. Let's see. Next one. Uh, this is from Ben James. Ben James Hoops or Ben James underscore Hoops. Have you watched Paddington and Paddington Two? And if no, why do you not like Joy? <laughs> I have seen Paddington One. I have not seen Paddington Two. I do have I do have a niece who I went and saw the first one with. So, um, do you like Joy? I do like Joy. I will probably um, is Paddington's not a Disney product, is it? I don't know. I haven't seen either of them. Uh, oh well, so you don't like Joy? Okay. I I like Joy fine. I just didn't know that it was in Paddington. So it's maybe. all a front. We figured it out. <laughs> maybe one of these days. I'll tell you what. I'll I, give I've it a got, try. I've got Disney Plus. I will. Uh, I will check and see if it's a Disney product or not, because then I can just watch it with my niece and nephew. Okay, and then you can report back on how, yes. how you like Joy. Randy Powell, at Randy Powell 65 what is the best and actually reasonable move this offseason to improve the team, barring internal development? Trading, CJ. I think we've covered that one. Yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the move. <laughs> uh, Aaron Presti, at Aaron... Aaron Lopresti. Oh, Lopresti, sorry. At Aaron Lopresti. I thought the Blazers mailed it in last night. Obviously, they are not going to make the playoffs, but it seems as though they accepted that before we did. Yeah, I think that's kind of the same feeling that I had it, when I watched that game, particularly last night. You know, you you, you, you expend the effort to get the, the lead down a little bit. Same thing in Phoenix. And then you come out in the second half with that same effort. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. So my bar is set so low now that I just like I can't tell you how many quarters I've been sitting there going, just get more than 13 this quarter. (laughs) Just get more than 13 points. There have been a few ones that have been pretty darn, 
pretty darn close. But you know what? You know who's been who's been playing pretty well the last few games, which I'm pretty I'm very happy about. And Mario Hazonia has been he's been good playing. He's very I mean, he's, he's not very outstanding, good. but he's been he's been. You can see what you can see that there's that there's a you can see that he knows what he's doing a lot of the time. I, I can't I can't I can't forget how to say it. That that, that sounds mean. no no his confidence that we saw during preseason just made a miraculous return. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it, like he drank some secret water that he had in his fridge at his house in Orlando or what? <laughs> like he, that secret he, Orlando water. I, I, listen, I, he whatever grabbed, it is, it worked. He went home and he grabbed a couple pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if he's got his Michael's secret stuff bottle, you know, straight out of Space Jam. But whatever it is, it's it's very nice to see. He is a again a competent player who's doing exactly what he was brought in to do. Yes. So. Bummer is it's a little too late. <laughs> okay, so John Dexter at anyone got Visine. Um, if Blazers somehow land top three pick, who should they take and why? Obi Toppin. Uh, right. He's a wing who's a ready-to-play guy. He's a four-year guy. He's going to be 23 by the time he gets to the league, which uh, admittedly is a bit of a drawback if you look at it as far as a development curve. But it also may be a blessing because some guys take longer to develop. And if it starts his whole cycle and he's like, let's say he develops immediately, you know, year one in the league, you know, like Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. then it's it's certainly something they should look at. Uh, the other part of that is because his name is not LaMelo Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, You're that, not a fan of no, he's, of the he's ball family? A, no, he's an absolute non-shooter like his brother. I don't care about his playmaking instincts. He doesn't play defense. Um, I, I, I don't want any part of him. Um, Cole Anthony, I think, is going to be I thought Ball shot all the time. I thought he was. Oh, they shoot all the time. They, they shoot horribly all the time. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I, I want no part of him. He's 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 struggling to shoot okay. effectively in the Australian league. So okay. um, that in the NBA, who uh, Anthony Edwards is a scorer. Uh, but again, he's he's another guard. So it's kind of like eh. uh, Cole Anthony, obviously, uh, Greg Anthony's son in North Carolina. He's been just beat to death this year, uh, but he's a point guard. So I just I don't see you know, that really mattering for Portland. That's pretty much how the draft unfolds other than Denny, um, who's obviously playing for uh, was Tel Aviv. So, um, okay. Well, you've just listed a whole bunch. Um, and they I, asked, I, I, gave, I gave five. There we go. Right. Well, and uh, for people who haven't seen it yet, Steve DeWald just had a, uh, a piece come out where he, including yep. to talking about Obi. So, um, and we have hoops on it coming up. So we'll start looking at next year's crop. Uh, right on. So people Steve, want... Steve and I will start cranking out some some draft related material because it's that time of year. OK, Joel, Joel De La O. How did you see CJ during Dame's absence? And do you think it's possible the team may trade him this summer? So I think uh, we've, we've talked yeah, we, about that. The, he's better as the primary ball handler. And yes, I think that for the first time they at least listen. I don't think it's likely but I, that anything happens. But. I, I believe it's likely they listen. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time thinking that they'll trade CJ before they've really seen what Dame CJ, what you know, what the full squad looks like. I, uh, I, I, who knows? I mean, I'm I, not the I'm one in charge. So, I am so against that. We're running it back because I think it's a waste of a year. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's an yeah. entirely different podcast because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I think they need to make a move this year. Okay. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Jay, let's see at JL blazer says trying to figure out who the blazers could trade CJ for. Could the blazers make a run at cat trade CJ Collins and a pick or CJ Nurkic and a pick. I just uh, don't think that they'd want to listen, lose two at, you know, like CJ and Collins or CJ and Nurk. I mean, cat's worth it production wise. You think so? But I don't think Minnesota does it because you can't trade big for small. You never trade big for small. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, but Collins and Nurkic, if they're involved in the trade, I mean, so what you're, if you trade, so it's Collins and Nurkic in both trades. It's, it's, I, I read it as CJ Collins and a pick 
or CJ Nurkic in a pick? Okay, so one of the bigs is going out there, and now you've got CJ uh, D'Angelo and Nurk, or CJ D'Angelo and Zach. Cat is more valuable when it's just Cat and D'Angelo there, in my in my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay. But he's got to stay healthy. But do I think Portland should be looking at a caliber of player like Cat? Absolutely. And if, and if it's true that he does want out of there, then yeah. But I think that that's probably a pretty significant change since the addition of D'Angelo Russell, who's one of his really good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been playing well lately. Um, okay. I'm trying to find – there was another – there was another question on my – profile talk for a sec entertain the people why um <laughs> i had another question which the, was what should i have for dinner oh yeah that was but but we already covered the idea that i had the chicken bacon ranch it was quite delicious yes. um do you want to know but, what I had for dinner yeah what did you end up going with i just got back from phoenix so i haven't been to the grocery store yet so i made a delicious grilled cheese sandwich and i had some leftover tomato soup that i left right before that i made right before i left it was delicious every bit of that sounds so amazing i'm doing this stupid keto diet (laughs) and like the idea of carbs right now like my mouth is starting to water it's like oh god yeah and it was like the really good kind of bread that was like really holy okay 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 butter and cheese (laughs) see butter and cheese i can do like i yeah in fact i'm supposed to add butter and cheese basically to every meal that's kind of the rule of keto and then i dipped my grilled cheese sandwich in the soup soup. yeah yeah you you gotta throw some goldfish in there too um, oh, I didn't. Okay. Uh, Here's the question I was looking for. Sh- Chris Stone at Rip City 1971. If you could, o- this is so hard. I don't think you and I can answer this one. If you could, well, if you could only keep yeah. one, who do you keep? Gary Trent Jr. or Ant? It's Ant for me. I mean, yeah. that seems to be a shocker. And it's not, it's not that's not a, sh- a shot at, at Gary. Mm-hmm. This, this is very much a family guy um, mystery box or the boat. In that I think Gary is going to be a stud player. And I think he's flirting with being a viable starting two in the NBA. Like he, his, his development curve is definitely leaning towards that direction. But the caveat to this, and has always been with Anthony, or with Anthony, is that he has the look and skill set of a guy who is a primary initiator and creator. And that is outside of wings – the most valuable offensive commodity in the league. And it's very, 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 very difficult for me to let go of a 20 year old. And everybody talks about he's he had a rough year, this, that, the other. I don't care. He's 20 years old. You mm-hmm. do not give up on that kind of raw development and talent uh, without seeing it, you know, giving it some real time. Well, I think we definitely don't want to get rid of either of them so starting starting with that and they're remember they're both 20 um or i guess gary trent jr is 21 now but they're not very far apart um i think i would keep gary because just for this the for the immediate for the nature of the fact that he's more immediately ready and i think that he is really versatile in terms of whatever the team ended up becoming. I think there would be a specific, there would be something that he could immediately have an impact on. And I think Ant's skill set right now is a little bit more specific. And I don't know if it's as plug and play right now as Gary's is. So I'm just talking like super no, that's, short that's, term. That, that's absolutely the, uh, the, the mystery box of the boat. Mm-hmm. The boat is the boat is there. You have the boat. It's there. It's ready to go. The mystery box is so ooh, tantalizing. It is, and that's that's the thing. It's like I'm I'm definitely not trying to sell Gary Trent Jr. short. No, but I think he is you're exactly right. He is the more impactful player right now. It's like he gets better every week. It's so exciting. No, it's, I'm not joking, Terry. He's he's flirting with being an NBA caliber starter. Like I would not be surprised next year to see Gary Trent Jr. while maybe not being a starter coming into games very early and basically playing starter minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would not be surprised in the least bit. And in the back of Olshay's mind, he probably has to be thinking if we do make a move on from CJ, there's a, at least a 
twinkling in your eye of having a viable rotation ready player in your in your roster already mm-hmm. well i mean it, we've seen him now he doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt but i thought that he played great i mean i thought that he did not seem he's a steady eddie yeah he he didn't seem over his head no and that's that, and there's something there's something to be said for that there's plenty of guys in the league who struggle in that role mm-hmm. and you know again talking to the coaches for gary it's been about effort and film and he he puts in all of the work. He is a dog on, on both ends, and he's a film guy. Mm-hmm. So good on him. And you, you've heard his teammates all talk about him in that regard of like, no, I'm, I'm Dame has said the same thing. Like, I am happy for him because he has worked so hard. Effort, film, and fashion because he also looks amazing. He does kill game. He He brings it. For which, yeah, it, it, it's it's got a nice little subtlety to it. Like nothing Nurk ever does is subtle, <laughs> but Gary just like he's just out here looking good. Yeah, he does some cutting edge stuff though. He like, does. He ma- it, he puts on some prints that are like wowza. What is going on there? But because the hair, it, 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 I think it just kind of accentuates what's already going on. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really Nurk Nurk everything Nurk does is pretty pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> but well, we only have one more week to wait until Nurkic returns to the floor. The Blazers have two games that we just we have we need to get through and we hopefully get through with some wins because these are ones that like are at this point it doesn't like the wins and losses don't matter so much as just like the pride of yeah. trying to come back and beat Phoenix and the pride of giving Memphis a run for their money. Um they just uh, like, again, I, I don't like talking about effort, but what I want to see is sharp play. I don't want to see sloppy play. I want to see people being aware of where they are and what they're doing and what their teammates are doing the entire game. I don't want people like throwing it off of their teammates heads anymore. Yeah, um. <laughs> I, I definitely get that. And it's kind of funny because everything's so topsy turvy right now. The Memphis Grizzlies are out here winning games without Jaron Jackson and Brandon mm-hmm. Clark, which is not what I expected to happen. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans have dropped games they shouldn't have and then won games they should. The Rockets are playing like Houston is losing a nightmare. Um, that whole small ball thing doesn't yeah. work well, well, Tara, when you can't hit threes. That is yeah. a major problem uh, for as far as like where things can go wrong. Um, I'd be really curious about how people are defending their threes and if Portland can pull off whatever that is. Well, I think Portland has the key to just beating them and unlocking what they have defensively. And that's repeatedly throwing the ball into Whiteside and Nurkic. Mm-hmm. And if even if it's else, Whiteside and not Nurkic. Yes. And, and I think of the big part of it is, is you have to reward Whiteside for running a floor and then putting his big butt and big body into Robert Covington, into PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing is everybody keeps talking about, well, Whiteside and Nurkic are going to have to cover those guys in the perimeter. Are, are PJ Tucker, Robert Covington taking anybody off the bounce, Tara? Mm-mm. No, no. So you, you got to cover them, so to speak in the corners a little bit, but as much as they have to chase those little guys around, what happens when two 300-pound seven-footers <laughs> beat the living hell out of you for 48 minutes? You get tired, too. And listen, Whiteside may not know how to use his big body. He still, if he leans on you, that's going to wear you down. And then you got 15 minutes of the, the Bosnian beast. He didn't get the moniker by not knowing how to use his body. Like, I've I've seen this guy absolutely body the living hell out of DeMarcus Cousins. You think Robert Covington and PJ Tucker are going to present a problem for him on the block? Hell no. So I'm really interested to see how dedicated Portland is to getting Nurk the ball down low and how willing Nurk is to attack down low because it'll be his return. Does he want to show off the new European style Nurk who wants to shoot from outside a little bit more? Or do we still have the Bosnian beefs who was like, nah, this is barbecue chicken. Let me go get this money. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for the Bosnian beast. You know what move I'm looking forward to, which is funny because it used to drive me crazy is when he grabs a, grabs the ball, a rebound or a pass and we'll go all the way down to the ground and bring it back up. 
Oh, the two-handed, like, all the way down and around? Yes, which yeah. always, like, why do you do that? But I didn't realize how much I liked it until it was gone. It's that, <sighs> That's part of his ISO thing. Like, Mello takes a lot of times, he'll take the ball away one-handed before he goes into it. Mm-hmm. Dame, yeah. Dame dips his right shoulder and lifts his head. CJ stands up. Like, that's everybody has their own thing if they get into a triple threat. And that's just Nurkic's way of, like, he'll do it before he goes into a post-up. It's really weird, though, because he brings it all the way down yeah, to the ground. It's, it's just it's the, like, it seems like such a far away from his seven-foot head. It's a to long do way that. to get down there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, now that you mentioned it, yeah, he, he does do that. Often before he, you know what he's trying, or what I've seen him do out of that, is go into that face-up action and then give mm-hmm. a jab to the baseline and spin back middle and go to that spinning hook. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, just the, the return right of there. the return of the feet work is coming back. I watched him <laughs> do a little uh, drop step, step through up and under uh, in warm ups yesterday, and I was like, <laughs> I have to God, say, that's good. <laughs> I've detected more. I've noticed it seems like more spin moves this season than I've seen in a long time. So I don't know if they have a coach out there. If the um, what's the name of Duraro? The, the the new younger coach, I don't know if he's like a spin move expert and he's got everybody doing spin moves. Oh, you're talking but, about Pargo? Yes, Pargo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's a spin move maestro or what, but I've seen more spin moves. Or either that or Vanderpool, like, never allowed him. <laughs> but someone had unleashed the spin moves this what, season. Gary loves the spin finish uh, position. Yeah, there's a, there's a, if you watch... There's a lot of spin moves going on this year. No, I I I can take your take you for or <laughs> take my word take, on that one. Take your word on that. What's that's the word? The word <laughs> yeah. is the word I'm looking I, for. Here. It's hard for you to say <laughs> that. Say those <laughs> words that you're taking my word for something, Dan. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap up here. Programming note: for the rest of March, there's a game every Sunday. Of course, there is. <laughs> there's actually just a ton of games. Yeah. For, no. It, starting it, it, on the fifteenth. There's a bunch. So our program is going to get a little weird. We'll have some uh, some Tuesday releases. I don't know what we're going to do about that last week because there's a game on both Sunday and Monday. So just want to prepare people that, yeah, we know that the schedule is going to get uh, a little weird for the rest of the month. Just, Basically, um, we can't record with us. <laughs> because I'm yeah. not done until midnight. So um, yeah. stick with us and we'll 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 find a way. Life right. finds a way. The Houston game is an early game. So 1230. Maybe, maybe we can 12. get our act together, but we also might still be just like too excited over the debut of Yusuf Nurkic that we can't handle it and have to postpone it for the next day. So true. anyway, um, that all that having been said, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can find the Blazers Edge podcast at Blazers Edge on Twitter, and you can go find it on whichever, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast. You'll get the weekly podcast. You'll get the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, which comes out every mm, Thursday or Friday or so. <laughs> um, and then when I get around to it, I I occasionally will also throw in an extra preview for some of the teams that we are going to be seeing for the rest of the year. So Dan, why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? As always folks, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang at D A N N Y M A R A N G with the exception of Instagram, which is still at D Morang. You monsters can be my damn handle. Guys, uh, calm down about that. <laughs> I will not let it slide. Uh, but uh, as always, you can also follow me uh, after every Blazers game on NBC Sports Northwest with my co-host Joe Simons. Well, we will talk about the game or whatever goes on off the court if the game is a tremendous train wreck. Uh, <laughs> whatever if, Gary Trent Jr. wore. Yeah, basically. And for everybody who's out here saying that uh, it's a uh, like say only nice things about the Blazers or nothing. No, I'm just tired of saying the same negative things over and over again. So we try to find other stuff to talk about and maybe take our minds off of uh, the horrendous uh, just dumpster fire that we witnessed before the hand. Don't so, call the Blazers a dumpster. No, no, the performance, not, not the team, not the game, or not the people, but the performance was a dumpster fire. Uh, but yeah, I think that says it all for now. By this time next week... <laughs> We got the return of the Bosnian Beast, and I'm genuinely thrilled about that. So um, stay tuned for all of the stupendously horrible Twitter jokes I'll be making over the next week. And for Tara, I'm Daniel. We'll catch you all next time. Bye.